As many of you that have been attending, we, we've, some of you that have been attending weekly or you've been watching online, we've been going through the, the book of Acts. And I just really believe that what we've been studying about the early church can help us with what we're dealing with today in our culture. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 20 today, and Paul is finishing up his missionary journeys. And what, what we're going to see today is Paul meets up with some leaders from the city of Ephesus. And I want to dive into the words that Paul speaks to these leaders. And what I want to look at today, how do we lead? How do we react? How do we behave in our world today? What is the right way? What is the the Christ-like way? And I believe we're going to find some amazing things today in God's word to help us with what we're dealing with in our country um, today. And so, and I'm going to spend some time at the end. I just want to pray and pray for our country, pray for this election and have God lead our hearts and see what the word of God has to say to lead us and to guide us so we make sure that we're following God's word. And that, that should be the thing that's most important, amen? That we're following his word and we're obeying what Jesus wants for each and every one of us. And so I, the, the thing that we've been looking at in the early church is it wasn't easy. Paul was faced with so much animosity and resistance to the message of the gospel that wherever he went, um, he was met with resistance. But there was also just wonderful things that happened. Paul saw people that came to Christ And many, many churches were planted because of Paul's persistence and the other apostles, that they didn't give up even under resistance and even under opposition. He never gave up preaching the word of God. What what encouraged him and what kept him going and not giving up and not walking in despair was the power of the gospel message to change people's lives. That message is still as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago when Paul spoke it. Amen, church? And so we need to hear that today. And You know, it just what reminds me for us here today is we have a privilege in our country to speak God's word. I mean, it's an honor for me to be able to stand before you and to preach God's word and not to feel persecution or have to lay my life down on the line for for preaching the gospel. That wasn't wasn't the case for, for the early apostles that they were met with much resistance and persecution. And that's not the same for many people who are around the world who have to attend underground churches because of the sake of the gospel and literally have to lay their lives down for the sake of the gospel or be imprisoned. And I remember many years ago, there was a missionary who came to our church. And what he would do is he would smuggle Bibles into a certain Asian country. And he would go there and he would smuggle the Bibles in and then he would have local people from that country help him to bring the Bible to these underground churches. And what's interesting that he shared with us that many of these underground churches didn't have the word of God or the complete word of God. So what they would have is pieces of the word of God that they would read over and over and over and over again. And for them to have the word of God, the complete word of God in their hands was just a miracle for them. 
that they could read through the whole word of God. And what the missionary shared with us is when he would smuggle Bibles in, he was going with one woman who was on a motorcycle and she had Bibles hidden in her motorcycle and, and then they would go to these certain house churches and then give them the word of God. And he told us a story about this one woman. She kept looking back every time she was riding her motorcycle. She kept looking back, looking back. And they would, he finally asked her, why do you keep looking back? She goes, I want to make sure I'm not being followed. She goes, but for me... What happens is, if I get caught, I'll go to jail. And he says, if I got caught, they would just send me back to the United States. And it was just kind of a wake-up call for me to realize that it's not the same for many around the world who literally lay their lives down for the sake of the gospel message. This woman not only would smuggle these Bibles, but she was a mother. She had kids. But she literally gave her life for the sake of bringing this precious word of God to people who so desperately needed it to encourage them. And what was amazing is how the word of God and how the church flourished under the most severe persecution. And so we have to realize God's word is all-powerful. And what we need in our nation today is that word. What's going to change the hearts of people is Jesus Christ. He came to change our hearts. And when our hearts are changed, then our lives are changed. And we begin to see things differently. And this is what happened to the Apostle Paul. This is what happened to this woman in this Asian country. She gave everything for the message of Jesus Christ because she believed that it changes everything. And so what we're doing is we're finishing up the book of Acts. And I want to look at this Third missionary journey as Paul finished this up. And what Paul would do is he would trace back through churches that he started started to encourage those local believers. And it wasn't easy uh, for these churches, but Paul never gave up. Persecuted in many churches, almost left for dead. But what we'll see today is the fruit of Paul's labor because he didn't give up preaching the message of Jesus Christ. And I hope this encourages you today not to give up not to give up on on the hope that is found in the gospel message because it's very easy to give up when things aren't going well. It's easy to give up when we don't see things going our way or maybe our prayers aren't being answered as quickly as we would like them. But I want you to give, give you a little background here of what Paul is doing here. Well, Paul is traveling back to Jerusalem and before he does it, he wants to stop in the city of Miletus, which is a port city of the province of, of Asia or modern-day Turkey. And what he does is he asks the leaders of the churches in Ephesus to come and meet him, which is about five miles away to Miletus. And he says, I want you to meet me here, and I just want to encourage you. I want us to pray together. And so Paul meets, meets them in Miletus, and he begins to speak to them and talk to them. And I want us to look at Paul's address and how he pours into their lives. And I want us to look at exactly what Paul says. And I hope this is in, encourages us today what should be the thing that should be paramount in our life, what should be the thing that's most important in our lives. So Acts chapter 20, I want to look at verses 17 through 24, and let's see what Paul says here. It says, But when we landed in Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church of Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. And when they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the providence of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I've endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear. Paul never 
relinquished from what they needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for the Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and, and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I'm being bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what waits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others of the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And the church said amen to God's word. Amen. I want us to learn a couple of things from this passage that Paul is speaking to. Paul basically gives the qualifications of what a godly leader is. What Paul does is he looks at his own life and says, listen, this is what I've done. This is what a leader looks like. This is someone who is led by the Lord. These are the things that are important. And I want you to know that Paul's words are not just to leaders of a church that he speaks to, but it's to all of us. And one way or another, we all lead. One way or another, we, we will lead. We will lead others in one way or another. We have to understand that people are looking at our lives and how we are leading our lives. You cannot lead other people unless you first can lead yourself. And so this is what Paul says. Paul uses himself as an example that he walked in humility and tears as he served them, as he gave his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so whether you realize or not, you lead somewhere. You lead your children. You may lead students as a teacher. Uh, you, you may lead in your place of work. Um, you may lead in a place of ministry at church. Whatever you do, there's something in your life that you are being an example to someone else. And so what Paul shares with his leaders can help us all. And so here's the question. How do I lead my life correctly? Specifically, how do I lead my life correctly in the world that we live in today? How do I live as a believer in the world that we live in today? When I see the things that are going on all around me and they bother me so much, how do I lead correctly with the Spirit of Christ? What are we to do as the church when we see things around us not the way that they should be? We see people hurting. We, we, we see how sin has degraded our morals in our country and we sit back as a church and what are we to do? Paul gives us the words here on how we are to respond to our culture and correctly how Paul responded to his culture. And, and, and Paul says, listen, I was vulnerable before you. Paul was vulnerable before them. And so how do we lead correctly? Well, what Paul states first about a godly leader, a godly leader is a vulnerable leader. A godly leader, a person who's chasing after Christ, is a vulnerable leader. See, Paul did not hide his struggles. He was open about his past and his mistakes that he made. He was open about sharing his, his heart with them. He, he was open about sharing with them the mistakes that he made in his past before he came to Christ. Paul was not trying to put something forward to them that wasn't true. And so Paul says, listen, I've made a lot of mistakes, but I've had to humbly walk before the Lord in my life. And it's with tears that I share these things to you. I think... I think sometimes we look at vulnerability as a weakness. 
if I show people that I'm weak or that I'm vulnerable, they're going to think that I'm weak or they're going to think less of me. I think the opposite is true for a follower of Jesus Christ. I think when we show our vulnerability, I think it makes us more approachable. Now, I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I'll share some, I'm going to share, just so you know, I'm not just preaching to you guys. I'm speaking to myself, okay? Just, it's you and I in this room and everybody else that's online right now. I'm just going to share some of my vulnerabilities. And I've shared this uh, before. I'm just going to be honest. Here, here's, can I just share two of them? I'll share, there's, Kathleen could probably give you a lot more, but let me just show you, share two. Of the, one thing is, I am terrified about mispronouncing a word. So, that's good for a pastor when you've got to read through the Old Testament, right? And you're like, oh my goodness. So a lot of times I just say it really fast and it goes right over your head. So you're like, I don't even know what that is. So I have an app on my phone that gives biblical pronunciation of really hard words. I'm on that thing all the time. So when I preach to you, hopefully I pronounce it correctly. So that, that terrifies me. If someone makes me read an Old Testament passage out of the blue and say, Pastor, you read that. I'm like, oh no, I hope it's not a hard word that I can't pronounce in you know, the Hebrew word or whatever it is. That's one of my vulnerabilities that I've always, I've always struggled staying in front of people and talking. When I had to give a report in front of the class uh, when I was in elementary school or in high school, I would panic. I'd, I'd literally panic the night before because I just didn't want to embarrass myself or say something stupid, which I always do anyways. But, you know, it, that, that was a, a fear of mine. That's a vulnerability of mine. Another th- vulnerability of mine is Sunday afternoons, as many of you know, is probably the worst time for me. Because what happens is I go home and I'm like, how did the message go? Why did that person get up and leave early? Why didn't they come back? Um, why did they storm off and mumbling things? I can't stand Pastor Bard. Why? What ha- you know? And you think about this, and I tell you guys, seriously, I mean, I pray for me on Sunday afternoons because it's just, it's a hard time. So with my wife, I'd say, Kathleen, even if I bombed, it was the worst message you ever heard. Just tell me it was as good as Billy Graham. Just make me feel good because I don't want to crawl in a corner, get in a fetal position and suck my thumb. I just, I'm not ready for it. Monday, I'll be more ready for it. Um, but how many know we all have vulnerable spots in our lives? We do. And, and I think for Paul, he, he wasn't embarrassed to share those vulnerable parts of his life. I think when we are vulnerable, it makes us more attractive to people. And I think as for a, a leader, as we're looking in our society today, I think we need to be careful as Christians that we don't tend to fall into a judgmental, pharisaical attitude to the world. I think when we are vulnerable, I think it helps people to receive the truth that they need to receive. Because what we're doing is when we walk in vulnerability before the Lord and humility before the Lord, I think the ears of those who hear what we have to say, I think they're more open. When they hear it from a humble heart, when they hear it from a heart of vulnerability, guess what? We're all sinners. We're all sinners. The reason why Jesus came was not just to make you a better person, The reason why Jesus came was to deal with our sin issue. And as I look in the world today, do we see a lot of sin in our world today? We do. Do we see things that ought not be? Absolutely. And this is the whole reason why the gospel message is so powerful, because it can change people's hearts. Listen, when I look at our world today, I have an opportunity and a privilege as a United States citizen to vote. How many know that's a privilege? It's a privilege. It's a privilege to vote. And when I look at the word of God, I have an opportunity and a privilege to set up moral guardrails for our country. And as long as I'm able to do that, I will vote that way. 
We need to look at our hearts and say, God, humble me to look at our world and to see where they're at. And we know the reason why we see the destruction. We know the reason why we see people just not knowing who they are. Young kids confused about who they are and what their identity is. We need to be a people that look into the word of God, that walk in humility before the Lord, that speaks the truth of God, but says, you know what? If I have the ability and the right and the responsibility to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, then I will do it. And so let's let's walk in humility, but let's realize that every single one of us are sinners. Listen, I remember before, you know, I became a Christian. Many of you know when I was 16 years old, I became a follower of Jesus Christ. And there are many things before I became a Christian that I, I just didn't, I just didn't really care about. I didn't really care about. And one thing that I, I was kind of just blasé to was just, just the, the voice to speak to those who can't speak for themselves, the rights of the unborn, speaking to the sanctity of love. I never really thought about that until I became a Christian, until someone explained to me that as a follower of Jesus Christ, when we look into the word of God, we believe that we are created in the image of God, that we are image bearers of God that God loves us and he gave his life for us and he cares for every single person. And so for us as believers, we have to look at that and say, God, as that that humbles our hearts, we say, God, you are the creator of life and every life is valuable to, to you. You died for that life. And as I look at the word of God, I can't just turn my head to that because what begins to happen is we begin to say to ourselves, what is worthy of a life and what is not worthy of life if we're not looking to God as the creator of life. And we believe through God's word that God is the creator of life. And we need to stand for that. And so as we walk in humility, we say, God, first speak to my heart. Speak to my heart to the areas that are lacking that you need to speak to. I believe doing this will break hypocrisy in our lives. It's easy to look out of the world and point out all the things that are wrong, but it's much easier to look in the mirror and look at myself and say, God, what are the things that you need to deal in my heart and my life? That will break hypocrisy in your life and that will help us to walk in humility as Paul talked about. So as we speak the truth of God's word to a lost and dying world, we do it with humility because we know that we are sinners too that needs God's grace every single day in our lives. I would encourage you to have someone that speaks into your life, a close friend or somebody that will speak into those blind areas in your life that, that maybe you don't, do not see because I believe an unapproachable life will lead to a downfall. And how many of you know we all have blind spots in our lives? We do. We all have blind spots in our lives. And we should never buy the lie that your life is above reproach. And so to be vulnerable, to be a humble leader, to lead yourself correctly, give someone permission to speak into your life. That's going to be fun, right? But do, but give, your, give them permission. Say, hey, listen, is there something in my life that's off kilter? that I'm not seen, that I dealt with incorrectly, 
you know, am I getting too hyper on this? Did I drink too much coffee this morning? Because I'm really hyper right now. I'm really hyper on this one issue or whatever it is. And, and we get off base quickly and we don't walk in humility the way the Lord desires us to walk in. And when you have someone that can speak in your life, say, you know what? You may have dealt with that incorrectly. And when you have a heart that's humble, you'll be willing to receive that word because every single one of us need, needs correction in our life at one time or another, amen? <laughs> we need it and that will keep us humble before the Lord. You see, a godly leader is one who serves Christ for the advancement of others. This is what I love about the Apostle Paul and his word. He was there to serve those leaders. He poured his life into them. And so what Paul does is he goes, I don't want to leave Asia Minor until I've spoken to these, to these leaders and poured myself into them one more time and prayed for them one more time. So Paul shows his vulnerability and then what Paul does is he shows that he served them. See, a servant is one who advances others at their own expense. Paul laid down everything to advance others. See, Paul's motivation was not to advance his fame. He wanted people to know Christ. Paul did not hold back, sharing all that God wanted them to know. And so as Paul was leading them, he was humble, he was vulnerable, he was serving them with his whole, whole life. Listen, these are great things that we need to have in our life as we look at our culture and our world around us. Are we walking with humility and are we serving those around us? Are we serving them? I like what Paul says here and later on in in. Acts chapter 20 and verse 27, he says, For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. Even though Paul had a friendship with them, even though that Paul uh, spoke into their lives and you see these leaders starting churches, Paul did not shrink back from declaring to them all that they needed to know. And so what Paul does there is there's a, a delicate balance between walking in humility and vulnerability and then speaking the truth. And as believers of Jesus Christ, this is how we are to walk in our world today. We walk in humility. We walk in a servanthood of the Spirit of Christ. And we speak the truth to our world around us. We speak the truth to our world around us. And if I have the opportunity to speak to our world around us, then we need to do it as the body of Christ. And we need to speak that truth because we know that the only answer is Jesus Christ. I like what Paul says here, again going further on in the chapter in verse 35. He said, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The word there, weak, means helpless. It means to stand for those who can't stand for themselves. This morning when I woke up and last night, I just slept terrible last night. Because I was so burned in my heart. 
Listen, as we look in our world today, there are those that can't speak for themselves. And I believe we as believers cannot turn our heads on that. We can't look away from what we see in our world. We can't allow the world to redefine what a life is. And this is where the life-giving message of Jesus Christ speaks into our world and our culture. As we have the ability to stand up and protect and to set up guardrails and to vote our Christian values. We need to look in the word, word of God and say, God, what is important to you? And if I have the ability to do that and set up guardrails and a moral standard, then we need to do, we need to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, whether it's the right of the unborn or it's the orphan or those that are in the sex slave industry, whatever it may be, we need to speak. Our country is in a mess. Am I wrong? We're in a mess. We need to pray for our country. And we need to pray that God would change hearts The problem of our country is sin, and that's why Jesus came to change hearts and lives. So we need to speak that as we do it in love, as we do it with vulnerability and humility, we need to have conversations with people. We need to understand why people feel the way they do and have these good conversations so people understand how we feel and what the Word of God has to say to that. But we do it in humility and love as we, as we speak the truth. Paul understood that serving others comes with a greater blessing As Jesus spoke those words, as you serve others, as you give to others, you're going to be more blessed. We are just conduits of God's grace, aren't we? It just flows in us and it should flow out of us. It shouldn't stay with us. God's blessings are meant to flow through us and not stop within us. And so we are to be generous in all we do. Generous in our love. Generous in our forgiveness. Generous in the way we give, generous in the way we serve because of what Christ Jesus has done for us and the wonderful grace that he's poured out into our lives. Paul says in verse 32, he says, Now I entrust you to God in the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. God's love and forgiveness through Christ Jesus builds us up. That's what keeps us going. That grace is seen in how we treat one another. So church, I think we need to realize and we need to ask God, God, what are you doing in my heart? Am I obeying your word? Am I listening to what you're saying and what is important? Through the sanctity of life, the sanctity of of marriage, these things God holds up is holy in his word. And we should never shrink back 
from what is holy to God. As we do it in love, as we do, as we live out our lives in those truths, may we not shrink back from what God has called us to do. And so here Paul says, listen, it's this grace that builds you up. It's, the, it's this message of grace that builds you up. And that's what the world needs to hear. They need to hear that message of grace, that grace is poured out on our hearts when we repent before the Lord and say, God, we missed it. But isn't God faithful to forgive and to save and to change our lives? That's the message of the gospel that changes people's hearts and lives. And then Paul finishes the end of Acts chapter 20. He says, and I love this part of these leaders. He said, when he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that they would never see him again. And they escorted him down to the ship. What I love about this is all the opposition that came against the church, all the persecution, you could see the church coming together in unity. Listen, no matter what may happen this week, the church needs to come together in unity. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for our leaders. But we need to come together as the body of Christ under the emblem of God's word. And as we do that, Christ will be glorified. And so what I want to do is, the way I want to finish today is, is I want to pray for our country and pray for the election. I want to pray for our church, that God would protect us, that God would unify us, that God would unify us through his word and through the presence of Jesus Christ that the message that Paul spoke 2,000 years ago is exactly the same today. It's still the message of Jesus Christ that he came for sinners, that repentance was spoken and those who come to him shall find forgiveness. That's the message. As we follow the truth of God's word, as we stand up for that truth, as we have the ability as citizens in America to stand up for those godly truths and the privileges that we still have now, then we should do that. that. That's my heart. That's my heart. That we need to stand up for those. Let's never forget why Jesus came. He came for lost people, which every single one of us in this room, we're all lost and we all need a Savior. So can we pray for our country? I want to pray for you because I know, listen, when we look at our world, it is, it is confusing to say the least, isn't it? It is confusing to say the least. But I'm so thankful that we have a Savior in Jesus Christ that gives us the answers for our messed up world and our messed up lives. That he gives us the answers that he came to reconcile us back to God the Father to heal us of our brokenness, to heal us of our sin. So as I look at our world today, I see a lot of brokenness, a lot of bad decisions like we've all made. And I see Jesus extending his hands out to us saying, receive my grace and my forgiveness and my healing. That's what the church should be. 
we should be an extension of Jesus' hands and feet into this world, extending his mercy and grace to lost people. That's our calling. That's our vision. May we be steadfast in that as the church of Jesus Christ. So, Father God, we bow before you today and we pray for our country. God, we need you. There are so many things at stake here. And God, as we speak the truth, may we walk in humility and vulnerability as we do that. Not in judgment, but Lord, in grace and love as the truth goes forward. God, we know that it will come with resistance. It was no different for the early church as it is for us today. It will come with resistance, but when the truth is spoken, it will be resisted. But we know it's the truth that truly sets us free. It sets us free from ourselves and our wrong thinking. Repentance is all about wrong thinking. And it changes our hearts to understand why you came, God, and why you created us. We are image bearers of God Almighty. Lord, I pray for our leaders. I pray for this election. I pray for our church, that, God, we would walk in unity under your mighty hand, Jesus, that we wouldn't be deflected from the message that you've called us to preach in Christ Jesus. That, God, above everything else, we are citizens of heaven. That's our ultimate calling, is heaven. We are not part of this world. But in Christ Jesus, we are part of your kingdom. Help us to be kingdom people in all we do. So Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And God, we give you our country. And we want to be careful to ask these things. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's children said, Amen. Can we thank God for his word today? Amen. Amen. Listen, I love you guys, and um, let's continue to pray for our country, shall we? And uh, we know that God's in control and that we can trust him, and we know ultimately he has the answers. So God bless you. Have a wonderful day, and uh, we will see you guys next week. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Amen.